Well, we're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter 9. And uh, over the next several weeks, I'm going to kind of uh, be preaching along these, this theme of Lord, send the laborers. One of the things that we need in churches today and is laborers. And many times people think, well, what can I do? What is there to do? And a lot of times... Um, People, they struggle trying to figure out exactly where the Lord wants them and what they're supposed to do because they maybe they've not discovered what their spiritual gift is. And if you're saved today, I believe that the Holy Spirit, He has given you a gift. There's something special that you have that God wants for His service, for His purpose. When God saved you, it wasn't just so you wouldn't have to go to hell even though that definitely was part of it. It wasn't just so you could go to heaven, even though that is a huge part of it. And it wasn't even just because He loved you, even though that was the main reason. It's because He's got something for you. And when He saves us, He doesn't just boom, take us to heaven just like that. He needs us here on this earth. He's got a job for us to do. And God has set up the church, the local church. Like we have a church, a called out assembly of believers, and we come together for many reasons. One, we come together to worship God. We come and just like we've been doing, we sing His praises. Uh, we listen to the preaching of the Word of God. But for a church to uh, further the gospel, all right, we want to reach out beyond these four walls that were beyond just these people here, and even beyond this town. We're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature, the whole world. And for us to do that, it takes work. And we've got to have laborers. And what I really am hoping can kind of come through, uh, you know, the message today, um, possibly during, uh, Sunday school over the next week, we're going to talk specifically about spiritual gifts. I've got a, a test. I remember I did when I was in college, it's pretty neat. I'll probably be giving them out before this is all said and done, but it's just, it's about 80 questions that it asks you. And you're, and you kind of, it's something you do personally. It's not right or wrong answers, but you just answer these questions about yourself with these different numbers. And it's got, it's these graphs and things and kind of help you figure out where your spiritual gift is. And it, they are very, it's very accurate. It's pretty neat. It's, it's, uh, very helpful, and I'm hoping uh, that it will maybe uh, motivate some of you and just kind of show you what your gift is and give you ideas where maybe God would have you to help because there are so many different things. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, I want to read this passage of Scripture to you because I think what Jesus was trying to show them is really kind of how I feel sometimes. I imagine how you feel many times when we think about the work that we've been called to do. I heard a story one time a preacher that uh, he had just started pastoring in a pretty large city, and he was there, and it was uh, I believe it was out in Washington in the mountains, and he's kind of up on this hill, and he's kind of looking out over that city, and he's sitting there, and he's kind of getting overwhelmed, thinking the Lord has called me to reach the city, and this kind of overwhelming feeling came over him, and then it was like all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I didn't. Call you just to reach this whole city. I've called you to reach the world, and really, and then, and then he's really feeling overwhelmed. And it's true. There, we've got a, we've got a lot to do. 
We've got our work cut out for us. And let me tell you, I'm afraid that uh, we're kind of losing ground as time goes on. And I, I tell you, I hope that this... Uh, I, I'd like to see that change. I'd love to see a revival start in this community and spread even beyond. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Just imagine this picture is Jesus. He's traveling throughout Israel and around the Sea of Galilee. I've had the privilege of going there before. And you go there and the Sea of Galilee is kind of surrounded by mountains. And there's, there's towns and villages in all these areas. And as He's walking around and He's going places, He's going into the synagogues the places where people would worship. And He's preaching to them and He's telling them about Himself. And uh, and while He's there, He's trying to meet the needs of these people. He's seeing folks who are sick and have diseases and He's healing these. He's healing all of them. He's, he's healing every sickness. Notice it says every sickness. There was Jesus never came across anybody with a disease or an illness or a problem where He had to walk away and say, this problem is too great. I can't handle it. He came across people that were dead and He brought them back to life. Incurable diseases, uh, diseases that for people had for years and years that doctors could do nothing about, that was no problem for Jesus Christ. But as He's doing this, of course, words getting out and there's multitudes. Multitudes. Because there's many people. This was a difficult time. There was many that had needs and that were sick and that needed something, and they're hearing about Jesus Christ, and Jesus is looking on these just thousands. And He's saying the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. What Jesus is saying here, hey, these people are ready to listen. We've got a massive group of people that are ready to hear, but we don't have many laborers. And He told His disciples, pray that the Lord would send the laborers into His harvest. We're going into the harvest season right now. This is a busy time for the farmers. They're going to be out there I mean, working every bit of daylight they can and even in the night to bring in that harvest. Because if they don't, if they don't do the work, that stuff out there is just going to die and it's not going to do any good. And listen, I know that in our country and in our world today and even in our area, that it's, it is difficult. That there are many people that don't seem to want to have anything to do with religion. They don't want to have anything to do with, they don't want to hear about the gospel. They're not interested. They're caught up in their own sins and things. But I believe that there are people that are ready to hear. I believe there's people that are looking for answers, that have needs, that they, that they want to see met, that, uh, uh, they have that emptiness inside them that only Jesus Christ can fill. And unfortunately, they don't know where to go. And if we're going to get that message out, if we're going to reach out to those people, and it is difficult. There are some places it might be easier. There are some countries where people are much more receptive. And the missionaries that are going over their place, those places will tell you the same thing Jesus said, boy, the labors are few. 
Well, we're bringing them in. People are getting saved. But we just need more laborers. We need more people to teach these folks and uh, and to just help them. But I believe even in our areas that I think we would see greater harvest if we just had more laborers. And so the question comes to mind that, well, what do we do? What exactly is it that God wants from us? Well, I want you to go over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And there, and the, uh, the Apostle Paul often talks about spiritual gifts that God gives. And, uh, or no, not Romans chapter 12. I don't think I wrote. Oh, Romans, yeah, Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. Yeah, Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. But Paul mentions several of these spiritual gifts. Now, these aren't all of them. We're not going to talk about all of them today. There is a, a pretty big list. Um, over the weeks, um, they probably all will get mentioned definitely in Sunday school. But I want you to look at all these different things that Paul mentions that are in the church, that are a part of the body of Christ. Because if you're here today, you're a part of this body of believers. And God has something for you that's special. And when you find out what that is, and when you're doing what God has called you to do, I mean, you, that's where fulfillment comes from. That's where true joy really comes from. But it says in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So our, our bodies have members. I've got these fingers that are members of my body, and these hands, and my nose, and my ears are all members. And you know what? I don't, I don't want to lose any of them. I want to keep all of them. So far, the only member of my body I've lost is my appendix. And I didn't notice a huge difference when it happened, but I'd have rather have kept it than having it taken out. Just, uh, just to be real honest with you. But it says, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. We're going to stop right there. But notice that how he says we have gifts deferring according to the grace that is within us. This goes a lot with what Brother Sean was talking about in Sunday school, but there are no two of the same people in here today. We all are different. We all have different abilities. We all have different talents. There are some things that some people can do that other people can't do. It's We all have different abilities. We all look different. Like We can all look at each other and know who each other is because we all look different. Can you imagine if the whole world you know, looked, looked like this? I mean that's just uh that's gonna be you know, look you know, the modeling world would go out of business real fast. <laughs> I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't work out too good. But we're all different and that is a good thing. That is a good thing. And he and Paul mentioned several of these things. He mentioned seven specific things. And I want to suggest we're gonna just real quickly look at look at these things real quick and then I've got a real short outline after that, but notice the first one he mentions. But he, one of the gifts he says in verse um, six, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, the gift of prophecy. Now, that's not talking about necessarily 
foreknowledge. Like I predict that this is going to happen to you. Okay, I see your future. You know, you're going to meet someone this week. That's you know, no, no, it's not. That's not what it's talking about. Basically, what this is talking about is public speaking. Proclaiming the gospel. What I'm doing right now. I'm up here. I'm I'm prophesying to you. You're telling our future. No, that's not that's not what this is talking about. But public speaking. Some people they are good at that. They can do that. There's some people. Boy, if they got up here and tried to talk to everybody, they'd probably pass out. I mean, they'd turn white and start shaking, and they wouldn't. I mean, they wouldn't know what to do. And you know what? Man, it's because they. That's not what they were made for. That's not what God has called them to do. There's some people they can get up and they can sing a special in church and do a wonderful job. And then there's others, boy. I mean, they'll just. I, I've heard people before, you know. And it's you know, bless their hearts. I'm not criticizing them one bit. I, I love when people make the effort. I remember one time uh, there was a young lady singing in church, and I'm I'm up on the platform sitting behind her. And she's standing behind the pulpit, you can see, but her legs were shaking so bad. I mean, her legs, I, I, I can't even imitate what her legs were doing, and I, I thought she was going to fall over. I, I literally thought she, the way she was shaking, she was just going to collapse and fall over. But she got up, sang that song, she did a good job, and it was, it's scared to death. And sometimes people, you know, they overcome those things and go on to do great, but there are some people that's just not for them. Uh, I, I know I know people that I mean they can't carry a tune in a bucket to save their life. I mean it's just I mean they get up and sing. It sounds like somebody's torturing a cow. I mean it's just it's awful. <laughs> and, and you know that's just not where God has gifted them. It doesn't mean something's wrong with them. That's just not their thing. We're not all the same. And it's it's sad because then there's those people out there who can sing really good. Well, you know the way. To be able to sing the way I do, you know, you got to make sure you sing from your diaphragm. And I could, I could teach you how to do these things. Like, no, you can't. I was like, I could not do that. I could not sing that way. I could never hit that note in a thousand years. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. Some people just don't have that ability. And uh, on this one, it's prophecy. That's that public speaking, Pro- boldly proclaiming the word of God. That's that's just one of them. But then notice the other one it mentions. It says, um, or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. This is ministering. That's just talking about serving. Some people are just really good servants. They're hard workers. They know how to. They know how to get things done. You can give these people a project, and they're going to get it done, and they're going to do a good job. These people, they're usually maybe more behind the scenes. They they don't do like to do things in front of people. They're more in the background, just doing things on their own. Maybe when nobody else is around. But let me tell you, these people are very, very important in the work of God. They are very, very important in the church. And you know, usually, and this isn't right, and it shouldn't be this way, but a lot of times it is the pastor that gets a lot of the credit for how things are going. He's the one that everybody's hearing from. He's the one that everybody's looking at all the time. But I'm here today to tell you that every great pastor that there ever was and every great church that there ever was, they had several ministers behind the scenes that maybe people didn't know what their names were. They didn't really know what they did, but they were the ones that made things click. They were the ones that made the church work and made things go. Those ministers, those servants, where we talked about that for a while on Sunday nights, they are huge. That might be your thing. So I'm not, I can't, I don't want to do things in front of people. Well, okay, I'm not saying you have to. But maybe God's given you the gift of ministering. There's some people, 
They're not real good at that thing. You can give them a project, and it's like you got to do it for them. I mean, they if uh, you you can't count on, you can't depend on. But then there's others, boy. They they're just the servants that they just do things out of love for God, not looking for the praise of men, just ministers, servants. Also, and this is another very important one in the church. It says, or he that in verse seven, or he that teacheth on teaching, teachers. Listen, uh, Sunday school teachers are important, but this isn't even just talking about Sunday school teachers. But this can be just you as an individual, man or woman in the church, one of you ladies in the church, maybe another younger lady is there in the church, or maybe another somebody that's your age is there in the church, and they hear me up here ranting and raving about something and just preaching on something, and they don't totally get it. And you have that ability. You're talking to them. Maybe you've got that friendship with them. And you're able to... You just have that gift of explaining things. Teaching, that that's a gift. Some people are good at that. Boy, there's some of them school teachers. You know, They can just make math come to life and make it make sense and maybe even make it fun. And then there's some that get up there and boy, they sound really intelligent. And all they do is make everybody else feel stupid. I don't really know. They have the gift of knowledge which is one we're not going to be talking about, but maybe not the gift of teaching. Somebody that can just take something that somebody else doesn't understand and make it clear to them. That's something that everybody can help with. When you hear, when somebody's maybe questioning things, wondering what's going on, maybe you have that ability to explain it. You could never, maybe you couldn't get up here and explain it in front of everybody with everybody looking at you, but maybe that one person that's really struggling, you could go to them. And one-on-one, you can talk with them. You can make it clear. You know where the Scriptures are at. You know how to put it. You'll give examples and bring it to their level and bring it to where they can understand it. That's a gift that God gives. And we need teachers in the church. People that can help others understand where maybe some of the things that you do, maybe some of the standards and convictions that you have in your life, when you're questioned about them, you have the ability to go to tell that person, hey, this is why I do that. This is what the Bible says. This is why I want to do it. This is, this is why I go to church. This is what the Bible says about it. And this is how I feel about it. You have that ability to communicate it. I mean, we'd be in big trouble. If somebody, you'd be in big trouble. Or if, I, or if somebody, or our church would be in trouble if somebody came here to the church and boy, we we know all the things to say about salvation. We know, you know, we know the verses, but boy, whenever we get questioned on it one on one, and somebody starts debating us on it, you know, preaching, it's not really debate. You know, I'm kind of up here saying what I believe, and we're not really hearing anything else. But we ought to be able to answer questions when somebody else comes like, well, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that the way to get to heaven is by good works. That you've got to be good to get to heaven. Um, whoa, wasn't ready for that today. See, I didn't do anything on that in my notes today. Uh, Alright, you know, we, we ought to be able to answer those things. And we need people who have the gift of teaching that could go and say, hey, this is why it works are not going to get you to heaven. This is what the Bible says. Teachers, and this this next one, this is another huge one. Well, I think anybody can do this one, but some people, they're just gifted in it. And it's something that God gives. In verse 8, "...or he that exhorteth on exhortation." 
Exhorting. Encouraging. Some people, they just know how to get people motivated and excited. They know how to call others to action. Listen, there's going to be people in the church that you might have to work on a little bit for them to be faithful. You might have to kind of remind them, hey, you know, you need to set your alarm a little bit earlier in the morning. You know, don't don't you know don't sleep in. Hey, you know, you need to get involved. You need to be here for this. And we need people in the church doing that, motivating each other. Maybe somebody that just called each other up. Somebody, a person with the gift of exhortation, they usually have a very good ability to be able to see the needs of other people. They can tell if somebody else is down. And they'll go and they'll give that person some encouragement. Hey, it looks like so and so. I think they're going through a hard time. You know, I'm going to motivate them. I'm going to give them a phone call. I'm going to I'm going to write them a letter. I'm going to I'm going to do something to try to just lift their spirits. And boy, we need those people. I thank God we have those people. I mean, many of you. I mean, often uh, you do that for me. I mean, just encourage me. I need it sometimes. Listen, sometimes I'm in a bad mood. Some I try not to, you know, go and take it all all on you people on a Sunday morning. But you know what? Sometimes I'm not in a good mood. But I've been here before, and y'all have helped change it and and get me in a right frame of mind. We all need it. We all have those bad days. We have bad weeks. We go through difficult times. We have people in our church right now, you know, going through uh, difficult situations. You know, losing a brother. They they just need some encouragement. It's something that if you haven't been through it, you will be through it someday. And boy, we ought to, we need people to exhort them. You know, there's many people that will go into churches and it's like nobody knows they're there. Nobody would care less if they weren't there. And sometimes those people are going through difficult times and sometimes they're looking for answers and they're not getting it. And if they don't get it, it's not going to be long. They're not going to be here anymore. And we've missed an opportunity to be a blessing. Maybe they needed to be saved. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I thought about the people that, you know, the many people that have come through here. And you know, sometimes you don't know, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. But one thing you can count on that everybody needs at some point is some encouragement, and that might be your ministry. Just exhortation. And if that's what God has gifted you in, boy, exhort. Just do it. Motivate people. Some people, this is not a spiritual gift. I have not found it in the Bible. But it's like somebody thinks their spiritual gift is making sure everybody else knows what's wrong with them. And they're going to make sure that they point that out in everybody's lives. Hey, this is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to do. And all they do is get everybody down. And don't. that's not what exhortation is. Well, I'm telling them what's wrong with them because this will motivate them to straighten up their act. No, that's not what it's talking about right there. We're supposed to encourage. But not only exhorters, it says in verse 8, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Some people have the gift of giving. God has blessed. Maybe God has blessed them financially. They have the means to be a blessing to other people. They have a they have the means and the ability to be a blessing financially to the church. They they probably couldn't go out and go to a foreign country and preach to people from another culture and another land. But boy, they can give the money to help others who do have that gift to go out and do that. They might not have the ability. They might physically not even be able to do a lot of the work and the service that needs to be done in the church, but they can they can give of their finances to help. So the work can get done. So somebody else 
is able to do that. They're not able to go full-time in the ministry, but through their tithes and offerings, it's able to help that pastor so he can focus on the Word of God and focus on ministering to the people. And God is going to send those people to the church, those who have the gifts of giving. And so there's some people, they might not have that. Like I said, they can barely afford to feed themselves, barely afford to pay them bills, but there's others. God has given them that gift. That's their spiritual gift. They recognize needs. They'll see something, maybe that, some work that needs to be done. See the price. They'll take care of it. They give towards it. And if God has blessed you with that gift, then use it. Use it for Him. Also, another one says in verse 8 He that ruleth with diligence. Ruling with diligence. This is talking about basically the gift of administration. There's some people that are good organizers. They're good at just. They know how to make things work. They know how to maybe organize groups. They know how to maybe organize things, you know, financially. Whatever it is, they are just, they're good leaders. They're good organizers. And they're, they're good at making things more efficient in the church and making things work better. They, uh, they, they just know how to do that. Some people, the Lord has just gifted them in that area. That's probably not on my top three or four or five. Okay? But some people, that's their thing. They are just very organized people. And you know that? You need that in a church. Especially the bigger you get. And the more you grow and the more we start to do, we're going to have to get a little more organized and more structured. And uh, We need people that know how to make that happen and know how to make that work. So that gift of that ruling with diligence. And then the last one that he mentions, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There's some people, boy, that's they're very merciful people. You know, what's funny too, when you do these spiritual gifts tests, there's certain spiritual gifts, if that's your thing, it's like there's others that are kind of on the bottom of your list. Okay? And a lot of my spiritual gifts that I have, um, or I guess this one right here is probably not on my top ten either. <laughs> this might be on my bottom couple, but mercy. I'm not always real merciful. And usually, the ones whose gift is prophecy, you know, we're we're real good at taking the Bible and like, hey, this is what the Bible says you're supposed to do, and this is what the Bible says is going to happen if you don't do what the Bible says to do. And so we're real good at that. So whenever people don't do what the Bible says you should do, and then what the Bible says is going to happen happens to them. That's what they get. <laughs> and you know what? That's not all good. And we need people in the church that have mercy. And when they see somebody going through a hard time, but they reach out. And they know how to just empathize with that person. They'll give them the sympathy. They'll see what's going on and just be a blessing to those people. Merciful. Brother Jack Parchman, I mention him all the time. He's in heaven. But he used to always, he had a message he preached on spiritual gifts. And I always love this story he told about, he said his wife, she had the gift of mercy. And it's true, that's, that she was just one of the sweetest, kindest ladies you'd ever meet in your life. And he said one day that they, they were at a restaurant and the waitress went and spilled hot coffee on his lap. I mean, just burn it. He just, you know, I mean, he gets up and yells and it, it hurt, you know. And, uh, and he said that my, my wife, she felt so sorry for the waitress. And she's like, it's like that poor waitress. Like, 
Poor waitress. What about me? She spilled hot coffee all over my life. I know, but she must feel so bad about that. I, she just It's like she felt sorry for the waitress. And he's like, I'm just thinking about me. She burned my lap. And that you know, people, some people, they have that. They just they feel sorry for other people. You know, they see somebody fall down. Some people laugh. Some people, oh, you know, <laughs> how terrible. And... Man, God has He's just He's gifted some people in that area. Merciful people. These are and we need we need that in the church. We need that. We need people to proclaim the truth, tell how it is and all that. But you, you do you need that balance. We need people who are merciful and that are caring. And there's other gifts, uh just in the, in this passage, these are seven that he mentioned. But then just real quickly, one thing when it comes to the gifts of God that we need to understand just real quick is we should have a strong desire to possess the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, it says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, Governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Notice that term, covet earnestly the best gifts. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not covet? And then, and when you read on that, it's talking about coveting thy neighbor's wife and whatever it belongs to your neighbors. We're not supposed to covet what belongs to somebody else. But the gifts of the Spirit are something that God wants to give, and we ought to covet those. We ought to strongly desire, say, I mean, these gifts we've been talking about, say, Lord, I want that gift. Maybe you have a little bit of that, and say, Lord, Help that gift to grow and blossom in my life. I want to be a blessing in that area. I want to serve in that area. And whatever that is, I mean, go ahead and want it in a great way. God said to covet earnestly the best gift. And the one of the, and if, if you want it, what do we usually do when we want something? Well, we usually ask for it. And in James chapter one, James chapter one, you don't need to turn there, but verse one says, James, a servant of God. Did you know that this uh, that James and it's very possible it's not for sure there's uh, there's a study I did that I'm not going to go through all the verses but this James very possibly was the brother of Jesus Christ we know Jesus had a brother named James and through several different verses you put them all together this James probably was Jesus's brother on earth but notice how James he calls himself a servant of God. James didn't make a big deal about him being the brother of Jesus Christ because that was nothing. But being a servant of God, there is no higher calling than that. There is nothing better than that. He was a servant of God and so of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James is saying, hey, if you want wisdom, ask of God. God's going to give it to you liberally. Okay, now, an example of giving liberally and giving conservatively. If you came to me and said, hey, you know, I need some money, alright? I'm probably going to give pretty conservatively to you. Because I'm pretty limited, alright? And not, not going to, not a whole lot's going to happen. I can take my wallet and I can pour it open and let everything fall out in there and it's not going to change your life, okay? Um, it's going to be pretty conservative. Hey, but you know what? A liberal one. That's something, man. What do you need? How much? Name your price. <laughs> hey, we love those people, don't we? But that's how God is with us when we are asking for these good things, for the spiritual gifts. When we're asking for wisdom, God is going to give them to us. He's going to give them to us liberally. He wants to give you these things, but you have to ask in faith. If you're asking, oh, I'm going to ask the Lord to give me the gift of mercy, but I doubt it's going to work. Don't let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Believe that God's going to give it to you when you ask. You want to have the gift of prophecy. You want to have the gift of teaching. Ask God to give you that gift. And God He wants to do it. I'm sorry, it says it right there in the Scriptures. I'm not trying to make things sound better than they are. That's just what it says in the Bible. But make sure... First, that you're using the gifts that you have. I'm not, we're not going to take time to read it, but in Matthew 25, it tells the parable of the talents that God gives. And the one went and he buried his talent that God gave. Now, this wasn't talking about a talent or a gift, but it was talking about a talent, a weight of money. But I think he supplies the talents. He went and he buried that money. And in verse 27 of Matthew 25 said, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. Okay, now this is completely different than the way our government works. Our government says, take from the most and give it to the least. Those who have the least. God's saying here, that one who had the least that didn't use what he had, Take it from him and give it to the one with the most. That one who used everything I gave him. And there are people who are many, they might have many of these gifts, but I believe it's because they're using the ones that God has given them. And when you use the spiritual gifts that God has given you, God will multiply them. They will grow. And you will be able to do more. God will God will expand the ministry in our church if we use what God has given us. Listen, I believe if we fill up these pews, if we fill up our classrooms, you know what God's going to have to do? He's going to have to give us more pews. He's going to have to give us more classrooms. He's going to, and if He's going to do that, He's going to have to give us the finances to make those things happen when we use what we have. But if we just take what we have, it's like you know what. Uh, I don't want. We don't want to get too many more people in here because then we're gonna to have to clean up more. It's gonna destroy the building. Um, you know what? Then maybe God's gonna take what we have and give it to somebody that'll put it to use. I said we use every bit of what we have here. 
Lord's given us a great building. He's given us great property. Let's put it to use and then God will multiply it. That's the way He works. But many people are always asking God for things, but they're not using what they already have. And you have to ask yourself, am I using what God has given me? And if if not, you might want to put that to use first before you ask for anything else. Are you using what I gave you? And then the last thing, the gifts that we have, the reason that it's okay to covet these things, the reason that it that God is so liberal in giving them to us is because these gifts that we're asking for, they, we're not asking them to consume upon our lust, as the Bible talks about. These are, the spiritual gifts are specifically things that are used for the service of God. Therefore, the service of God. We don't use them for ourselves. We're using them for God. We're using them for other people. You know, I mean, I wish God would give me the gift of singing so I could be a better singer. But you know what? What if, and this has happened to many people, God gave them the gift of singing, but they decided to use it for themselves, and then they would go secular. Many of these people, I could name some, started out singing in churches. And they were really good. And they got big. And they went secular. Started singing for money. Using their gift for themselves. And you know what? Many of them ended up committing suicide. Because the person who gets the most out of church or really anything, it's the person that's contributing the most. And God made all of you with special abilities. And when you put those abilities to use... When you use the things that God made, your personality, your body, your abilities, that's when you get fulfilled. Putting your spiritual gifts to the proper use is what gives you that feeling of completion and fulfillment. That, hey, I am here for a purpose. I am fulfilling that purpose. God has given us the church, a place where we can come together and work together as one body of believers. We all have a different part. So we can advance the cause of Christ, do things for God, be a blessing to other people, and just see the work of God increase. That is our calling as Christians to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. But for us to do that, we need that whole body. There is no one person that can do it all. There is no one person that deserves all the credit. It's God that puts us here. It's God that gives you the abilities. You were you were made special. This isn't something we just say to make you feel good. It's not just like something, you know, oh yeah, everybody's special. No. God made you with a special ability. Find out what it is and put the use. And I hope over these next weeks you can discover what these gifts are and find out how you can put them to use for God. So let's all stand together.